0: Hello, I'm Jen Thomas, and this is The Simple Life Chat, the podcast series which discovers what it really means to rent. And in today's episode, we're heading back to school with our guests to discuss the impact of educational opportunities within our communities and the key role they play in our lives. In today's society, there's a higher demand for self-awareness and more specialised skills. So offering young people the opportunity to develop outside of the classroom is of increasing importance. And it's for that reason we're joined today by ESG Director for Simple Life Neve with three of our partners Rebecca Randalls, Katie Johnson and Bridget Griffin from educational Charities to provide their insight on the things they don't teach you in school. Welcome to the podcast, everybody Hi hello, hello. thank, thank you. you Let's get an introduction from each of you starting with you, Rebecca.
1: So my name is Rebecca Randalls. I am uh, the development manager for the north region of the Outward Bound Trust. What that means is I manage the partnerships um, between schools, colleges and other educational establishments, as well as employers in the north of England designing programmes, Outward Bound programmes. The Outward Bound Trust takes young people from the age of nine all the way up to 24 out into the mountains and lakes and wild places of the UK. Just by getting them out into the outdoors, they're already experiencing fear. Feelings of reduced stress and in terms of those well-being elements that we all talk about post-COVID. But on top of that, we also give them a succession of challenges to get them to really push themselves and see what they're capable of so that they can Develop attitudes and behaviours to help them have a more successful experience in their life, work, school, whatever it is, and beyond. outwardbound has been around for over eighty years. We started in nineteen forty-one, and um, we've now got around forty international schools. And last year, we had about twenty-five thousand young people coming through our doors. And we're, you know, every every year, we want to make that a little bit more because we believe that everybody deserves and needs an Outwardbound course.
0: Thank you very much. And an introduction for you, Katie, about who you are
2: and who you work for. Hi, thank you. I'm uh, Kate Johnson. I'm the School sport Manager at Burton Albion Community Trust. We work across four different scopes of work, actually. Um, My work as a school sport. We've got a health scope of work, our education employability and our community engagement scopes of work. And we work in community of East Staffordshire. Our main outcomes are developing healthier and happier communities to create safer and more cohesive communities and to empower our communities to help fulfil potential. Um, The area that I particularly work on is school sport. And a, a big part of what we do is go into schools, mainly primary schools in my area, and support pupils within the classroom, but actually taking it outside the classroom. So we're looking at not just PE, not just school sport, but actually looking at maths, English, PSHE and helping deliver it in an alternative way to inspire children to perhaps engage in a way that they wouldn't otherwise in school. Some of our programmes particularly target some sort of reluctant learners, reluctant readers and by sort of inspiring them with our coaches to go into school, it offers them that different opportunity to engage with the curriculum.
0: Thanks, Katie. And let's cross over to you now, Bridget. And I've read here that you're a teacher and also the founder of Park Palace Ponies. Can you just share a bit about yourself and how you juggle these two roles?
3: I think I'm quite a juxtaposition, obviously, because I spend um, my everyday teaching children inside the classroom and then sort of preach about the importance of learning outside the classroom. Um, But I think what's kind of special in the subject I teach, which is obviously geography and, and actually the school I teach in, um, we're all about kind of getting the kids outside as much as possible. Whether that be, you know, at the moment we're doing um, with our Year Sevens field work so we're doing a little mini fieldwork experiment around school. So we're going round and counting litter and traffic and the environmental quality. Um, or whether that be, you know, obviously with the older years, getting them out as much as possible.
0: Thank you very much. And to you, Neve. So you work with Simple Life. If you tell us a little bit about you and your role, please.
4: Um, hi, everyone. My name is Neve Waldron, and I am ESG Director with Simple Life Homes. My job description is the best way to describe what I do, which is make people's lives better or a little bit easier by what we do. Obviously, Simple Life is the brand of our homes, and everything to do with community, the environment, and governance is my remit. And I work with all these wonderful people in some capacity.
0: And Rebecca, you mentioned about the differences that it can have getting out and about, getting out into the fresh air and things like that. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in, in your line of work and what you're doing and, and how does it help young people getting outside of a classroom?
1: Well, I think um, one of the first things to note is that... Um Young people spend about 95% of their time indoors as standard. That means they'd spend less time outdoors than prison inmates. Um, And clearly that's not um, a healthy and happy way to, to live your lives. So I think in terms of what we do at the Outward Bound Trust, it is first and foremost, as I said, about getting them out into the wild places. Because even, you know, it's about stepping into a new environment it's outside the postcode area, it's it's into the proper wild, it's where you can actually listen to the silence, you know, um, you can see for miles, the clarity of the the air is different, you know, so on the one hand, it's about getting them out into the wild. When they do that, they are able to reduce their cortisol levels, be less stressed, start to sort of listen to the, the things that really matter. But then when they're doing that, because we're, what we're doing with them is, is challenging, um, it's about making sure that they can be armed with a toolkit of of behaviors attitudes um you know confidence resilience perseverance that bounce back ability and that deep sense of well-being to be able to face any future challenges through what they do and i mean in terms of examples um neve you you can probably share lots of examples having done it very recently yourself
4: uh with your group Um some of the children that i've met um at the outward bound well, they didn't know one another at all the- people until they met one another there, they then began to realize that actually they could introduce themselves to other people, they could meet other people, they could, you know, have a go and step outside their comfort zone, they could share what makes them feel scared, what makes them happy, what actually, and you know, and, and actually the recent um, trip brought that home because um, every single one of the young people on it was very open and honest about how they were feeling in terms of their well-being and the impact that COVID has had on them. So for support, for Simple Life, to support any local charity is really important for us and any group of people. And um, But supporting young people in particular, they are the future. Um, and if we don't support them and give them the opportunities, then we're actually not progressing as a society. I've
1: actually recently had a letter from A participant who came about 10 years ago and they uh, they wrote to their instructor to just sort of say, you know, thanks. Um, It's been a while just to sort of give you the headlines. Um, This person came about 10 years ago. They had a bit of a rough home life, you know, very difficult start, became homeless at 16 came on the Outward Bound course and was taught valuable life skills such as self-reflection, communication and leadership qualities. He also received some valuable feedback at the time regarding how to engage with others, how to cope cope with his own frustrations and how to resolve issues in a constructive manner. Um, And he's put that he'll always remember the one-to-one conversations uh, that he had, particularly on a, a canoe in a rainy day in the lakes. And I think the piece that is important about this, he's got back in touch now because since that course he's he's changed his life so from going from such a difficult start he has gone on to successfully gain a place working um, as an apprentice developed a skill set there to inspire other young people from all backgrounds and he now works um, as a team leader for another national organization um, and he got back in touch to just say thank you that was a really pivotal part, part of my life um, so I think that really encapsulates what we do we get them out and we chuck them in the in the lake you know we, we paddle up and down we swim We climb mountains. um, Everybody pushes themselves harder than they think they can. And actually, at the end of it, they come away going, I can achieve whatever I want. I am as good as anybody else. Um, And that's the magic, really, um, of Outward Bound.
0: So, Neve, we're talking about helping people be more active. This is a good time to talk about initiatives that Simple Life are supporting, specifically the Clever Cogs escape rooms.
4: Uh, they are absolutely out of this world. So, James and his team designed the first one we actually designed. He, first of all, he was a resident, which was brilliant. So, it was linking up our community with um, our residents. Um, and he had this idea of a mobile escape rooms. So, he takes his truck to a school and sets up the escape rooms and the experience for the young people and, and basically we fund it, uh, Simple Life Funded. Um, but after, we were very keen to support schools after COVID when they couldn't go on trips, we brought the trip to them. So James and the escape rooms went around the country, um, visiting the schools, setting up in the school, say on a Friday and giving the experience. It was a well-being experience, it was the well-being crystals they had to find, um, you know, working together as a team, being patient with one another, uh, communicating with one another—all those skills that they had not done for a few, for two years, effectively. Being in a small space with other people, being patient, being kind, being aware—all those things. Um, and then the, the bus, uh, the bus stayed on the school. The school were really kind to let us leave the bus on the uh, site, and then it was used on the Saturday for the local community, or the school allowed it on the Sunday and for the community, and then they used it on the Monday. Um, from the first trip the second one then uh, that we designed revolved with around a, the bringing a tree back to life So, but using phonics and using poetry and finding all the various animals and food webs um, and going forward um, the feedback from schools which is important to listen to is that they need opportunities to enhance the curriculum sadly, always some box ticking that needs to happen so they then will um, use it for the Egyptians or the Romans or whatever in our next roadshow, we've called it. So there's just so many opportunities out there. The opportunities are endless. You just have to, you know, have a go and find them and then adapt them. And with Park Palace Ponies, we've now extended and supported them in their next big adventure out at um, Walker's Wood, where they're actually, you know, expanding and moving out so that they've got more space and, and bigger ponies and the children who were on small ponies in a small or environment don't have to stop. They can now progress and, and go on to a bigger pony and a horse. So all of those things are possible. And, and like I say, it's just the right thing to do. And it's great fun and so rewarding. So rewarding. Everybody should do it.
0: Bridget, with the, the work that you're doing both in the classroom and your day-to-day life and then also with the ponies, with the, the other project, what sort of difference do you see in the environment as opposed to in a classroom, as to being face-to-face with these creatures, that it might be the first time that somebody's ever been around a horse or a pony before. What difference does it make?
3: For me, I teach in quite a disadvantaged part of Southport, um, where our students don't really have the opportunity necessarily with their families to go out and see the world. Our catchment area is just a mile around our school. Um, so lots of our students, would you believe, even though Southport is a seaside town, have not actually been to the beach. So we're kind of teaching them about massive geographical features and processes, but how are they ever supposed to understand that if they haven't experienced it? So something that we try and do is obviously take kids out as much as possible to go and experience rivers and to go and experience beaches and longshore drift and erosion and to see all these things in action so that they can then actually academically do better as well as obviously as a person developing um, because it's very difficult to answer a question in your GCSE on fluvial features if you've never actually seen a river in real life. So it's kind of putting those things in perspective. And obviously we know the benefits of being outside as people um, and on children's sort of social emotional learning, which is such a key part in education at the moment. And obviously alongside that, I run uh, Park Palace Ponies, which is all about kind of bringing a sport to Children who otherwise wouldn't really get the opportunity to try. So being very inner city, the likelihood that you've seen a pony, the likelihood you've seen a cow or a donkey or a sheep is low, never mind the pony. We don't understand why there's a barrier to that. Um, and we've been in operation for nearly six years now. And it's all about kind of bringing those opportunities to inner city children because the benefits of being around equines are so huge. Why shouldn't inner city children receive those just because of where they're being brought up? So that is kind of what we do. And obviously the benefits that we've seen through children coming to Park Palace Phones have been astronomical but we work really closely with local primary schools. So a lot of actually what Simple Life Homes and Sigma have done with us is sponsor for a primary school to come and to ride with us. So they've brought a nurture group down every Thursday for the last couple of years. And just seeing, kind of hearing the reports from teachers of the benefits that then go back into the classroom, whether that be improved behaviour, massively improved confidence and sort of self-esteem, this kind of belief that, you know, if I can get on a pony then I can put my hand up in class and answer a question um so I, I mean it's very hard to kind of give examples of of what has happened because you kind of just see them and, and it's some sort of strange pony magic that happens between ponies and children um I know Neve has experienced some of it when she's come down to sort of see us in action um and I know that anyone who's horsey who's listened will understand but it's just amazing to kind of see children have the opportunity to do something that they otherwise wouldn't get to. I think some of the some of
2: the the way we're looking at it where we where I work with some of the schools that we work in is just different alternative methods of teaching children and getting children to engage differently. I think sort of the mainstream all sat behind a desk, learning English, maths, whatever those kind of areas of the curriculum they're looking at, is actually get them outside, get them in the playground. So one of the programmes we're looking at is reading. So it's not just about reading books. Yes, obviously that's the, where we want them to be, but actually getting to look at just different uh, medias of reading. So looking at, we use a lot of our match day programmes to engage particularly some of the the children that perhaps... Uh, football crazy and really engage with football but perhaps are reluctant so from us our coaches going in in their tracksuit for some of those children to see that actually reading is quite cool readings in all areas it's not just about reading books once we get their confidence up with reading in different areas then that transfers back into the classroom in other areas of obviously the need to be able to read across all areas of the curriculum for the children to be able to learn
0: So is it about breaking the stereotypes and perhaps breaking the expectation that as you say it's boring, it's dull and doing whatever it takes to get that engagement?
2: Yeah absolutely and and we use sport through a lot of that so a lot of the programmes we deliver using sports are getting them up, getting them out, not just sat still, reading quietly actually, get them engaging with other people, reading to each other. One of the programmes that we look at as well is reading with the scholars so some of our, uh, our sort of football players that are sort of on the cusp of hopefully getting a professional contract will go into the primary schools and listen to children read so yes that is about sitting down but sometimes they'll engage in some football at the same time and sort of intersperse that with some actual reading so yeah it's completely about breaking down those barriers and looking at alternative ways that children learn not everybody learns in the same way Um, and it's about just helping some children that perhaps don't learn mainstream to learn in different ways.
0: And talking about Simple Life's involvement with these groups there, Neve, how important is it for Simple Life to commit to improving these education opportunities and and how does it help the communities?
4: Um, Massively. I mean, as you know, I came from education and for me, um, classroom obviously was where I taught, but activities out with the classroom help you to develop all those skills that you can't develop in the classroom. It helps and gives you the opportunity to use the skills that you've learned in the classroom, and to believe that you can transfer those into other s- settings and other situations. So for us, the benefits for our residents, the benefits for the wider community—it's not just for our residents. It's for you know anybody who wants to be involved can be involved. We also support you know um, local girls' football team in, in Manchester, um, a boys' football team in in Chester. So our reach is wide. And the demographic is from babies, you know, we support um, and work closely. We're about to walk up Snowden next July for a baby um, and children's hospice in Middlesbrough. It's all about people. So what I've done in education, I've just really transferred out. I saw the benefits when I was a teacher of having children out with the classroom, supporting schools with our Clever Clogs escape rooms experience has been hugely beneficial. And you see the happiness on children's faces when they've escaped from the escape rooms. They're easy wins as a society. We have a responsibility to provide these opportunities. They're easy to, to do in the sense that we can do them. But you've got to go out and find the opportunities. And linking up with the Outbound Bound Trust, working with Bridget, you know, you've got to get in the car and go and see these people. You can't do this online. You've got to actually be in, you know, I've got to get to Aintree to see the wonderful benefits that it had for the young people, the, the children on their ponies in the summer. You know, I had to throw myself into the into the water and show that an adult can also be, be vulnerable and not like camping in the rain um, at the Outward Bound Trust. But demonstrate that it's okay to not be able to manage, but actually give it a go and you surprise yourself. The same with our link up with Burton Albion Trust, what, the community, what they're doing in a school near our communities is providing fantastic reading opportunity. You know, I read on the train, I read before I go to bed, I read uh, we read all the time. And reading should just be part and parcel of everyday life and seeing other people reading. Meeting ponies should be part and parcel of everyday life. Going for a walk in the countryside and, you know, seeing the beach, feeling the wind in your hair, The well-being benefits um, and physical benefits of all of that are, you know, enormous.
0: And especially after the pandemic, I think it must really have hit home after being effectively locked inside for the best part of a year, two years, particularly with students having to learn on screens, having to learn from home. I should imagine that that excluded quite a big portion of students who don't learn well in that way or perhaps struggle with concentration or are more hands-on and perhaps don't respond well to the more traditional methods of education so have you had much feedback in the the months and the, the year since in terms of how students were coping with that and compared to being able to go out and do things now is there perhaps a renewed gratitude or even like excitement of getting to do it
2: whereas before you might have had a roll of the eyes? I think since Covid there's been a whole range of challenges that have been thrown up that we weren't previously seeing I think the the, the time when they were isolated and working from home, they lacked a lot of socialisation. a lot of the, the issues that we're seeing now are through that lack of socialisation with other children. So not used to having to to take turns in games, in activities that they're doing, not used to having to share things. I mean, they may have done with brothers and sisters at home, but not on the scale that they would do in a classroom. They're taking turns. The winning and losing, I think, is a big thing that we're noticing, actually. Um, they're not noticing... Well, they're not learning how to to deal with that. They're not used to having to deal with that kind of vying for position or that winning and losing um, sort of coping strategies. So a lot of it, it's intertwining the social aspects into whether that be their PE, their English, their maths activities that we're delivering.
1: I think in terms of their development, there's been a bit of a pause and there's also been a bit of a polarisation. So, you know, young people that have been adequately provided for during the pandemic have not seen too much of a a downward trend in their development, whereas young people who have been in a more challenged environment have found it incredibly difficult. And uh, what we're seeing at Outward Bound is young people who previously would have been capable of doing much more adventurous stuff at that age are now not quite as able as they were so we're having to sort of take it back a step and tailor the courses to suit this new collection of needs that we find um it's you know it's not a problem we can absolutely tailor all our courses to suit the needs of the young people but it's it's interesting to to reflect on it i think in terms of the research that we've done on it as well we've we we t- i talked about impacts of of our courses and we spend quite a lot of time uh evaluating what we're doing and obviously that that young person who got in touch 10 years later that's the best kind of evaluation you can get to show that really long term impact but we track um impact straight after the courses a little bit after that a little bit after that and we did several uh reports during covid and and one just after and, and what we found that outward bound can bring to the party is this crucial piece around social connection and relationships, confidence and capability for young people, and resilience you know, that ability to respond to adversity and deal with that change. And that's something that's been obviously it's just come to the forefront. Um, So in terms of whether more young people are doing it post-COVID, yes, we're absolutely inundated with need and demand for young people coming on our courses, because actually it is somewhat things that you have to develop face-to-face. It's about getting in amongst it all with people who you actually communicate with on a face-to-face level and and have all that nuanced conversation rather than on a screen.
2: It's Obviously, initially straight away, following COVID, we saw huge changes, huge adaptations that we had to make. We're still seeing those now. And what we're noticing is that as the children progress through the curriculum... Those changes are, are ever present are more present in a way because they're what they've what would have gone previously what they would have learned previously has been missed out, so we're having to adapt further down the line in the curriculum so it's there's a real shift in the stages at which children are needing to to develop and learn the different areas of the curriculum and the different aspects that we would deliver with them um there's a real shift in that some of them are catching up a lot quicker than others and not just individual children, but groups of children as well. Some of them are where they've missed out on the socialisation aspect. That's being picked up at a later stage, where they've missed out on key learning um, aspects of the curriculum. That's kind of, we're having to sort of almost go back and then sort of jump forwards and backwards rather than teaching sort of normal progressions like we would have done in the past. There's a lot more sort of jumping around and and adapting the the, the way in which we're delivering.
4: Some of that feedback was um, interesting on our first course. I think there's a perception that some young people will have been absolutely fine during COVID because they come across as being confident, that they come across um, as it didn't really matter to me and I'm absolutely fine. But actually, we had a, a young girl on, on the first course who, you know, is going off to Cambridge. But even she said she realized at the end of the course just how much COVID had impacted her because she was nervous about coming to meet five, uh, 10 people she'd never met before, sharing a room with somebody. She would never have thought about that, she said, two years previously. But the age group that we're talking about in this particular instance are the, the ones who are 14, when they were 14, COVID hit. So they're now 16. At the time when, 14 to 16, you're out playing with your friends at the weekend, you're going to the cinema, you're... You know, you're, you're meeting your first group of friends and your first boyfriend, girlfriend, or your first... Rela- all those moments where you're chatting to people and getting to know people, They that was all taken from them. And because they didn't do it, they didn't understand that what they had missed until they came back. And I think when they came back into society and into that situation at 16, they then realized, goodness, I thought I was okay, but actually... It's impacted me on a greater level than I than I realised. And therefore, you know, companies and people like us have got a responsibility to make sure that we actually catch up for those young people and provide the opportunity for them um, to step outside their comfort zones. That's the thing and have a go, you know? Yeah, you'll fail. Yes, I fell down on the rocks, but I got back up again.
0: And Bridget, with the work with the ponies, I mean, quite often you hear people talking about like they have like therapy animals or you quite often see people using therapy dogs, therapy cats. And you mentioned about the magic of working with these creatures. Do you ever find that by having... Say the pony there, for example, it is allowing the students, it is allowing the children to perhaps open up and talk in ways that they wouldn't previously because there's this distraction almost that they can attend with the pony,
3: learn to ride, learn to do all the other things. Does it then help them talk? Some of it is a distraction for some and and their emotions may come out, but I think for a lot of them, it's actually finally having a bond with someone or something that they may not have in their lives. So actually, it's becoming best friends, if you like, with Millie or Moses. And it's having that bond and that trust with an animal that isn't, you know, they're not a cat, they're not a dog, they're not always excited to see you, they have emotions, they have their own personalities that are very obvious. And they do have the ability to cause you some harm if you upset them. And I think it's that trust relationship with a pony or a horse that kids really need to work on you know it's not as easy as some other animals and I think that's why you may have we have a lot of maybe the more challenging children that come to us who aren't necessarily fitting in in school not on an academic level but on a behavior level and it's more of that they have to establish a trust relationship with the horse in order for them to get any further than point a so it's different than kind of your everyday. sport it's a different relationship that you've got to build up and and often it's it's students and children who don't have that trust figure at home maybe they don't have them in school maybe they're just feeling a bit lost and it's it's them developing their own relationship and it's a silent relationship at the end of the day so there's something quite special about that too they can tell all their secrets to the pony but the pony isn't going to go and tell anyone and get them in trouble and it's that kind of sharing that's quite special
4: I think also the same um, applies, Jen, um, with the reading. You know, when when Barton, when the footballers go in and and they demonstrate, you know, it's cool to read. Um, and a young person who's a vulnerable young person or a reluctant reader or whatever reasons, it's somebody new that's there, somebody different, somebody who, and I think we underestimate that young people appreciate that we are giving them time. Yeah,
2: hugely, I mean, I think we're really well known in the schools within our area. And when we go into the schools, we, um, our coaches are recognized, they often work across quite a few areas. So they deliver some English some maths interventions with children. So we use the sport in those as well. So it's kind of works both ways where we, the children, when they're engaged in sport, if they need help with their English and maths, the coaches will engage in both across the two areas. Or the other way around, if they're already working with the children on um, English and maths work, when they're in sport, they've got that link, that connection with the coaches. And like I say, our coaches are really embedded in the schools in which we work. So they're kind of recognised and they associate us with not just PE anymore, not just school sports across a range of curriculum areas.
4: You know, young people appreciate the things you do for them. The Clever Clogs um, Escape Rooms the feedback that we get from the schools and the feedback from the young people is thank you so much for for doing this for us and i think we 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 don't give children enough credit and young people enough credit for actually recognizing when somebody helps them or when somebody cares about them they actually do notice it and they do say thank you you know the feedback you get it, instantly i had texts from all the young people from the last course we did um with um, water you know and i had feedback from the schools and teachers when we t- helped set up a reading gazebo or we helped set up their pond you know all those things are they're just good to do because why wouldn't you you do it because it's the right thing to do not because we have mm-hmm. to do it not because it's a esg box to tick that's not what this is about this is doing it because you should do it It's good for the society, it's good for community, and we are in a community... We have homes in communities, so we have a, a responsibility and it's just the right thing to do. Because
0: we've, we've heard about some of the feedback from that that letter that came from a student who attended Outward Bound 10 years ago. What sort of feedback and what sort of thing do you hear from the families of the young people and the children that are doing this? Because I should imagine for many of them, they perhaps feel quite guilty or they feel bad that their children aren't getting some of these opportunities The other kids are so what sort of thing are you hearing from the families if we go to you Rebecca
1: what we do here we hear snapshots um so things like he started doing the washing up and you know he picks up his clothes now and he asks how I am and um you know last night she did this um so I think there's certainly um anecdotally you know there's there's significant feedback in terms of this has actually done something quite profound for my my young person Um, and actually they are a different version of themselves to the one that they were before they set off they're more quietly confident in themselves you know there's more maturity there and yeah just really those those sort of anecdotal pieces around the um the washing up and stuff to be honest and we do get quite a bit of feedback from teachers because they see see the young people obviously following the course um, in different settings and actually one of the things that comes out from it is is around teachers having a greater relationship with young people post-course uh, but that's not what we want to talk about today so in terms of something that I do think is worth sharing is uh, I've got a bit of a quote here from one of the participants just going back to what we talked about before around social connections and relationships um, and it is for Ash he's now part of his crew from his outbound course his crew is everything his crew has become all his friends in school so he's now socially included not socially excluded he's no longer a loner he now has 11 lads who are his mates and they make sure that he's all right they always make sure to look out for each other um, so I think that side of it I think you touched on it as well Bridget in terms of that you know it's about having those relationships that that feed the soul and and the well-being piece you know having that connection with other people um is really what what comes out of it
2: what we noticed immediately after Covid is a lot of schools in which we work with find that um, often the the extra reading didn't really happen much at home because I think because parents were so involved in the day to day schooling with the children that actually those extras homework type activities weren't done so the reading had really fallen behind. So with us now, one of the programs that we're running is we're taking some of our scholars from the the academy in to listen to readers so they get that extra kind of inspiration from the footballers That's kind of seemed to be cool and actually the parents are really noticing that and parents would have admitted that they missed out on some of that. So actually now by going in and working in other areas of support that the parents are noticing and, and recognising that that's probably what they missed out on at home because they were dealing with their actual lessons that they, they didn't want to then have an evening sit and listen to them doing other extra stuff because they'd sort of felt they'd done that in the day. So it's I think it's the um, where we're going in now, picking up on those extra activities, what were probably previously seen as homework or extracurricular activities, that support's really been noticed and, and picking up on those back at home as well. I think also some of the activities we run around healthy lifestyles, we're getting the children. Yes, we're delivering it to the children in schools, getting them to sort of share those and have those conversations. So it's not just about what the children are learning, it's how they're then sharing those things, that that learning back at home.
4: And in the recent um, trip, I have had a mother come back to me, like totally blown away by the opportunity. So grateful, can't wait for the next members of the family to attend and just very thankful that we thought to collaborate in this way and op- and provide this opportunity. And I think Bridget will probably say the same. It's that collaborative piece where people work together to provide something that other people are going to love um, and benefit from. I think that's um, really, really important. Um, in terms of, I do get, you know, feedback from parents who say thank you so much for supporting. You know, we sponsor Kit on on, you know, Uh, girls football team thank you so much because you're giving the girls an opportunity to actually shine in brand new kits and and then they know who who has supported them and therefore that they're getting recognition on that front but parents and teachers I would agree um teachers see the benefits hugely and I think Bridget will um, back that up
3: yeah definitely I I think from my own obviously as a teacher um we do a lot with taking the kids out of a weekend um so I was going to say similar to what you guys do, but it's much harder with what you guys do going away for a whole weekend. <laughs> but I know even when we go away for sort of a residential weekend, we go to PGL and places like that, um, seeing what kind of the kids come back as and, and the feedback from parents when they pick them up and the emails we get afterwards saying, you know, oh God, they had a lovely time and they were up Jacob's ladder and they were zip lining and they were in. I too go in the lake with the kids usually in mid-November, which is horrible. Um, But it is what it is. We've got to do it. Um, and I think you know, as Neve says, they've got to see us in a vulnerable way as well to understand that we're human too um in terms of sort of feedback that we get from parents at Park Palace I mean it's incredible um the large majority of our riders choose to stay on and volunteer with us, so they literally become it's like one big family, and as neve says it's it's us all working together, it's us sitting down and writing their college applications because they've decided they want to go to school and continue a horsey career. It's us finding them work experience with kind of top yards for them to go to that they never would think about before. It's kind of taking them to see the police horses or to see vets, to see farriers, to see all sorts of things in action. And I mean, I think the parents of our, and the carers of our, our riders have become so involved as well that actually there's a lot of kind of intergenerational riding going on now. So One of the reasons I'm still so into my riding is because I do a lot of it with my dad. So it's kind of our little bonding process, if you like. So I think a lot of our riders, their parents are actually benefiting mentally from being around the ponies, even if it's purely watching their children ride. And the thanks and the feedback we get is just, it's amazing.
4: I think it's just, it, it hits you in your soul and in your heart. When you see the impact that something which is really quite small for us financially and time and everything you know you see the impact it's had you you have that one moment that look in a child's eye the realization they can do something the confidence that they've had Uh, to me it's everything absolutely everything and coming from education and now being able to do it in a corporate setting is absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant
0: Neve, that feels like a good place to conclude today's episode. So Neve, Rebecca, Katie and Bridget, thank you very much for your time today.
4: Thank you everybody for joining. It's always brilliant to chat through. Thank you. It's been lovely to be part of this.
0: And as always, you can get more information on today's issues at the official website, simplelifehomes.co.uk. Thanks for
3: listening.